Let us pray. Father, this day you made it all make sense. And we thank you for that. We pray that you'll make our hearts more receptive to the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, that we may over time be more and more like him. We know that this is what you would want us to do. We pray in his most holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Hail the festival day. Blessed day that is hallowed forever. Day whereon Christ arose, breaking the kingdom of death. The words of this beautiful hymn, which we will sing shortly, were written centuries ago. But these ancient thoughts really say it all. With Christ's resurrection, which we celebrate this day, death is conquered. It is no longer a problem with which we must reckon. And as the modern song says, Jesus did it all. All to him we owe. Sin has left its crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And so this is indeed a festival day, a day we should celebrate with gusto, not with colored hard-boiled eggs and jelly beans, although they are kind of nice, especially those Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> Why celebrate? Because we recognize that the resurrection of Jesus that we stand in awe of this day was an entirely new event in the history of the world. Much as the incarnation of the Lord was a new event, this is a really new event. Pope Benedict, oh, Emeritus, says that with the resurrection we're breaking into an entirely new form of life. A life that is no longer subject to the law of dying and becoming, but lies beyond it. A life that opens up a new dimension of human existence. Should we not be jubilant? This day makes all the difference, for it's on this day that we recognize and acknowledge that we are saved. We're saved from ourselves, saved from our own continuing sin and resulting spiritual death, and are now recipients of the gift of eternal life. Praise the Lord. Do I hear a loud amen? amen. Thank you. The quintessential event here is the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. He who was dead and sealed in a tomb is now alive and promising us that in the fullness of time we will follow that same pathway. Now, although it is the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus that seal the deal, it begins with an empty tomb. And this is what we must talk about briefly, an empty tomb. This reality has been and still is the source 
of much discussion and argument. Be it known that I am proceeding here with the predisposition that indeed the tomb was empty, that Jesus' body that had been placed there after his death on the cross by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus was gone. I rely very much on the convincing arguments promoted by Lee Strobel in his case for Easter. Highly, highly recommended book by Lee Strobel. Strobel, a journalist and attorney, was for many years an atheist. But one day after attending a church service, he realized that he had to look into the Jesus story in his own very analytical way. And when he did this, he became a Christ follower. His cogent arguments follow those of the theologian William Lane Craig and are compelling. Let me show that one more time. It's a great book. As Strobel puts it, the empty tomb as an enduring symbol of the resurrection is the ultimate representation of Jesus' claim to be God. I have to accept the empty tomb as an historical fact if I'm going to hang all of my faith in Jesus, his promise of eternal life, on his resurrection. And if I believe that indeed he rose from the dead after his crucifixion, I have no difficulty with the empty tomb. Settled. Full stop. Moving right along to the resurrection, we have to consider a few things. What do we mean by resurrection? Was Jesus' resurrection a unique event? What does the event mean for us? First off, resurrection is not resuscitation. As we know, Christ did indeed bring people back from the dead. The daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow of Nain, and Lazarus. There is no indication that any of these people did other than come back to the life that they had left. They were indeed brought back to life, but they would die again in time. And so this kind of bringing back to life is resuscitation. Resurrection is something quite different. Christians from the very beginning have thought of the body as being raised to new life, but more importantly, being transformed to be a suitable vehicle for the very different life of the age to come. I'm going to repeat that. They see it as being transformed to be a suitable vehicle for the very different life of the age to come. Another time, I mentioned again Benedict's phrase, newly embodied. Now, there are other resurrections recorded in history. These, however, are mostly mythological. But none are like that of Jesus Christ. We should note that Jews looked for the body to be raised, but it was expected 
to be an unchanged body. The Greeks thought that the body was baggage and that the soul was what mattered. And that at death, the soul would be immortal and free of earthly bonds. I would have to conclude then that Jesus' resurrection was a unique event. Let me use scripture now to emphasize my point. The last few days we've heard of chapter 15 of Paul's brilliant letter, first letter to the Corinthians. And that's all about the resurrection. I invite you all to read that today. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. In verse 14, Paul says clearly that if Christ has been raised, our, meaning Paul's, preaching is useless. And then in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. One more thought from Strobel. The resurrection is the supreme vindication of Jesus' divine identity and his inspired teaching. It's the proof of his triumph over sin and death. And most importantly for us, very important for us, it's the foreshadowing of the resurrection of his followers. That would be me and all of you. I do not know how to say it more clearly. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the signal event in Christianity. Well, it would seem that I backed into or blended into my thoughts regarding just what Jesus' res resurrection means for us. But now listen carefully. Even though we may now understand in an intellectual sense what it all means, we must do more. We must live into our understanding. Or as the recently touted Google executive Sharon Sandberg says, we must lean in. And that sometimes is very difficult for me and for you. Why? Because sad to say, our faith is still lacking. Glimmers of doubt sneak in and weaken our faith. As my seminary dean, Justin Terry, said, our faith leaks out. And why do we have leaks? Well, because we live in a secular society that would like nothing better for all of us than to coexist with no moral or ethical absolutes. We should let everyone and anyone do exactly what they wish to do within the law. That idea may sound fine on the surface, but when I look at how things appear around me and witness the deterioration of our societal, societal mores, I get very anxious. Everything is not hunky-dory. And so, in our living into or leaning into our understanding, we need what? We need daily infusions of Holy Scripture. You've heard me say before, quoting John Stott, that in terms of morals and ethics, 
we must live under Holy Scripture. Anything outside of that is conjecture. I would remind all of you that we're not to give up under our misfortunes and under secular pressures and go hide somewhere. But neither are we to have any fear of the better place that is promised to us. Let us rely on Jesus as recorded by John in chapter 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go there to prepare a place for you. Praise God. What a relief. Let me close with a snippet from the Resurrection Day message of our Archbishop, Robert Duncan. Easter is the day that lights and gives meaning to all the others. Wherever I or we spend it, and with whomever I, we spend it. The tomb is empty. The world, the flesh, and the devil are defeated. Jesus is alive. In him, the alien becomes familiar. Loss becomes gain, sorrow becomes joy, and death becomes life. As Columbo would say, just one more thing. <laughs> From a 7th seventh, century translation, O oh, rejoice, ye Christians, loudly, for your joy has now begun. Amen and amen.